the information, suggestions, and ideas of the podcaster or any other non-accredited, unqualified guests are exactly that, opinions, and do not constitute professional advice, counsel, or prescriptive recommendations for our listening audience. If you need help, seek professional help and do it today. Welcome to the Unlimited Worth Podcast. We are normalizing the narrative for men who have healed from their childhood trauma by sharing stories of happiness, success, and love. I'm on a mission to encourage millions of men and the families who love them get the support and healing they need so they can realize their unlimited worth. Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil Agrios, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this since the time we first spoke. And Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil, you like to be called Dr. Philip Agrios? That, um, Phil, Phil, Dr. Phil, whatever. I don't care. We don't it's do awesome. so formal. <laughs> <laughs> You're a business breakthrough specialist, international speaker, best-selling author, and you guide business people worldwide to move from self-sabotage to a self-made success by uncovering an inborn trait that stops people's success. Tragic events that affected your personal life and sparked you on a quest to understand human behavior to its core are kind of behind a lot of this. And while working with thousands of people for three decades, 30 years, amazing, um, you've been able to discover a revolutionary way to avoid self-sabotage and win big. Clearly, that's something a lot of people want to know, right, as we uncover our own uh, limitations of success. So I'd like to remind you, Phil, that you're in a safe space. We're welcome to share any you know, safe space, of course, with plenty of listeners, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, you know, but you're welcome to share any details pertaining to your life and backstory and trauma that you wish. And as a coach and a guide, it's my duty to create a cosmic ripple. And that is what we do here is learned by others who pass it on to others and maybe a few generations. And you and I did discuss once we get to a certain point in life, it's really about getting to meaning full dis discussions and conversations and doing it Absolutely. quickly because uh, why are we wasting any time? We want to make an impact. We get right to it. And I thought it would be a good idea to get right to it with you. Uh, Dr. Phil, you shared with me that you had your own personal journey to get to this kind of idea, this concept around self-saboteur and the traits that you suggest. So maybe help us understand what that journey was. If there was a trauma experience or, you know, if you'd like to share, that would be great. Sure. Basically, um, my uh, I used to be a chiropractor and a functional medicine practitioner. My specialty was thyroid and autoimmune, the, uh, the sick of the sickest. And during my 35 years of practice, way back when, I started to try to figure out, you know, why was my practice not doing well at times? And why were my kids the way they were? Or why my patients weren't doing what I'm asking them to do and all this other stuff. And I just happened to find myself on this journey. I didn't ask for it. I wasn't seeking it. I was just asking some questions and you, you know, sometimes you get placed on it. And uh, during the process, one time um, during a uh, late night, well, early morning, like three, four o'clock in the morning when everything <laughs> was like dead silence, dark, right? You're, you're wide awake. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to go work. So I went into my study and I uh, was looking through my drawers, looking for something. And I found my old goals from five years prior. Have you ever had that? 
Oh yeah. Then, right. Yeah. yeah and I, I was that. really freaking excited and I was looking at it and I was going through each and every one of them. And I got down to the last one and I didn't achieve one damn thing on that, on that list. <laughs> I was like, what, <laughs> what is wrong with me? Right. I was my question, you know, and I felt horrible for a while. And when you're in that silence for a long time, uh, just something said to me, you're not being taught something. I don't know what that, that was. I was like, okay, that's cool. And just moved on and tried to do my best. And during the process, when you are given something that no one else has discovered, you're going to have to go through some stuff, especially if it was on self-sabotage. So I was like the king of self-sabotage back mm. then. It all started, started with a false accusation from an insurance company. They decided that uh, some things were not copacetic. Again, it was a false accusation. So three things were going to happen. I was going to go to jail. I was going to have to pay back three times what they paid me, and I was going to lose my chiropractic license. Of course, other insurance companies got on that bandwagon. <clears throat> during that process, during that stress, my father was diagnosed with brain cancer, 71-year-old healthy guy. And then seven months later, he passed, mm. became this primary caretaker of my mom, mm. who was uh, very sick over those years, and finally passed after seven years. And uh, during that process, I became disabled. I was told I would never practice again. I had a thing called thoracic outlet syndrome, caused weakness and numbness on both my hands. And I had a carpal tunnel on both hands, and I would get out of bed like I was walking on glass and I was in my late 30s. So during that whole process of trying to go through with lawyers and stuff like that, which I was uh, not accused of anything, I have, uh, my my license it was uh, impeccable. But during that process, uh, I just became disabled and I couldn't practice and I had to close my 15-year-old practice at the time. And like, now what type of thing? So those next 10 years, um, I went through a horrific divorce. I went through many uh, financial ruin. Uh, 2008 was one of them, along with a divorce. And then um, one of my daughters almost tried to commit suicide that they said that if my ex came home 10 minutes later, she would have been dead. Wow. And I can keep on going. <laughs> I won't, <laughs> won't bore your uh, audience. Uh, but what I realized was that I had to go through all that. I have no regret. And I have no regret because I wouldn't be here sitting with you right now, talking with you, if I didn't discover this and help thousands of people I have. And my why is to go out and help uh, over a million people. That's my impact for that time. Great. That's uh, my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> I talk a lot about uh, trauma and what it does to us. And vast majority of my focus and our discussions are on childhood trauma. But what you've described is what is consistent that most people, if they don't categorize it as trauma or traumatic events, it's a toxic stress, a stressful environment that is so stressful that it becomes toxic. And, right. you know, obviously there's a point of growth and resilience that we get. But then there's these deeper underlying things that start to happen to us when we experience trauma. Maybe that's a good way to segue into discussing a little bit about what you've uncovered, you know, in the idea of a saboteur. I know that my trauma experience as a child was like a lifelong confinement to sabotage and sabotage that often I had no idea was mm -hmm. going on. So help yeah. us understand, you know, you have a book on it, Life's One Law. Tell us what your perspective is on these traits and does trauma play a big role or are we born with this stuff and it, and it just gets an amplified? Tell us, tell me more. Like, I'd really love to learn what your point of view is on this. 
I was able to discover that there are actually three traits that make up who we are. And they're called the director trait, the communicator trait, and the supplier trait. And these three basically make up who we are. That's the puzzle, uh, and there's only three traits. And when I realized this, and I, then I placed them into a particular sequence called the personality stress sequence, we found that one of the traits was called the dominant trait. It was your superpower. So if you, if you envision a seesaw, top kids on top, there's a fulcrum in the middle, and then let's say the kid on the bottom, right? So you can see that seesaw. The kid on top is your dominant trait. That's your superpower. That's what you go to when you're under stress uh, as well. And then the middle trait is called the mediator trait. It's the bridge between the dominant trait and the saboteur, which is the one on the bottom, okay? When I realized that there was only these three traits regarding that came up with only six sequences of human behavior. So there's really only six people in the world. When you realize that there are only six people in the world, then you can be very specific of who you're talking with. Uh, we had a, uh, a coach one time take our well, five-week online course, and she took the course, and within five weeks, her relationship with her husband really increased dramatically because not only did she understand her sequence, she understood her husband's, but her husband never knew she was taking the course. Mm. So we actually show people how to shift their other people by shifting themselves first. So once I realized that, we, we should deal with uh, speakers and stuff like that. So when you're actually speaking on stage, you're really only speaking to six people, whether it's 50 people or a thousand people. And then you can be very specific at that point. So during the process, when I first found this, that there was a saboteur, that there's only three saboteurs out of seven, eight point billion people. <laughs> I was like, there's no way it's too simple. So I went out to try to disprove it. And over 30 years of thousands and thousands of people researching, I couldn't. I actually was able to find also a way to switch it off instantly. And it works 100% of the time. So when I first found that, I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> I'm from Jersey. You don't, this doesn't work 100% of the time. This, I'm calling myself out BS. So my <laughs> reputation being very important to me, uh, I went out to try to disprove that. And to this day, whether you're a business owner of a multi-billion dollar company or you're a child, this works 100% of the time. Hmm. You have these three sabotage traits these six personalities or people personalities. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's not a disorder. Yeah. Let me just go back to one, one spot. Sure. So you went through these personal life traumas and did you at some point get counseling or therapy or how did you work through that? Or was this effort of discovery part of your therapeutic uh, recovery, if you will? Yeah, um, I didn't help really me understand that. We talk a yeah. lot about what healing is like and what mm -hmm. it's like to be on the other side. All of a sudden, life is way better than you ever perceived the risks and the negativity to be. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what happened. I mean, look, I grew up Greek, Italian, and Catholic. I was weaned on guilt. <laughs> so um, no shame and guilt are just a yeah. I got you know, I'm back in the you know, I'm 61, so you know, back in the 60s, you know, and you got your butt kicked, you know, and you had your traumas and things like that as well. I'm not as bad as other people, but during that process, I realized I had to go through all the things I went through in order to be prepared to do what I had to do. I mean, I had a lot of stuff myself. But one of the things that we found is that the trait is actually we were born with it because we can notice it at, even at childbirth with different children. Um, and, and it's, you know, two years old, three years old, where I'll have clients and they'll have children that uh, young age and I'll ask them a couple of questions and we'll ascertain that child's personality sequence. 
And then I'll tell the, the client exactly how to deal with them. And when they do that, they're really dealing with the person on a subconscious level. And we see that you can have two, three, four, six children that they will now deal with each child in the way of that person's saboteur and antidote. Hmm. Okay. So with that, we've seen parent-child relationships change tremendously, tremendously because I remember one time we had a client told me that the kid came up to him and their their son said, who are you? Why aren't you yelling at me? You know, where's my mom? You know, because she realized what she was doing wasn't working. It was really what she needed herself that didn't work for him. But as soon as she understood him, Therefore, she was able to do the same thing. Same thing with my children. I have two two daughters. I realized in the earlier days how I was just dealing with it. I was dealing the way I was taught subconsciously with my mom and dad. And then as I started realizing certain things, I started shifting. It was much more effective when I started using what I discovered. And then on top of that, there are many people who have gone through some t- tremendous traumas that I've talked with. And we can always show that that trauma was allowing them to focus on their saboteur to deal with their antidote so they can move forward. So for instance, we had a uh, a vet and he was taking my five-week course. And the second week he was in, I said, look, take your antidote to your therapist. Because what happens is what I found, and even with coaches and therapists and whatever, that they focus on the dominant and the mediator trait most of the time because that's what they see. They don't understand there's that hidden sabotaging trait sitting there. So when she started utilizing the antidote with my client, within two weeks, major shifts happened. And he was able to see how something at five years old was the reason he went to war and how the things in war would help him get past the thing that happened at five years old. It was really cool. Hmm. So by helping them to understand that, gives us the ability is that, okay, if you are this particular trait, you went through this trauma. I just talked with somebody a couple of days ago. Mother wasn't really there. She became the mother of the five children. And she's a very giving person, which is one of the traits. And I was explaining to her, can you see how this caused you to be the actually becoming overly giving, but it gave you the ability, the opportunity to not overly give because you're a child and no one knew what at that time, you didn't know how to deal with it. But now you're seeing it. And as she sees it, there's shifts immediately. We see people within an hour and a half, two hours make shifts because they now see the that whole cycle that they've gone through, that it's only just this one trait, that this one trait causes all our negative emotions and all our negative consequences. Do you think that they can coexist? So if I were to just think of my own case, so at 11, I'm traumatized, I'm abused by a pillar of the community. I identified a lot of behaviors that result as, as, as at that mo- because of that moment that weren't there beforehand. How would my, and I did take, I just, I guess a note to listeners is I took one of your tests, right? Mm -hmm. And I found I was a director saboteur. That was my sabotage trait. If I, one of my, of those three, it was a director saboteur. You know, I'd be interested to know if there is a coexistence of these traits of these sabotage traits with other behavioral patterns that become established? Or is there some underlying, this is your director saboteur, and if these influences happen, it flourishes in this way? So let's take you for well, instance. Look at that, yeah. People are going, what's a director saboteur? So we'll go yeah. each and every one, but we'll talk about the director saboteur. Director saboteur is a person who's scattered, they're all over the place. They'll go 99% done with something, they'll stop them to do something more effective. They never finish the task, most most likely. Chaos is their friend. 
It stimulates their brain. It causes them to do and move forward things and do what they need to do. Now, on top of that, what happens is, is that they don't like to be told what to do. They don't like to be held accountable. They don't like to be responsible. But now on the other extreme, they can get hyper-focused. They waited to the last minute. They're really focusing on something. And they finally, after two days, because they have a time distortion, they don't know that they're there for two days. They finally get it done. They feel good. And they look around and go, oh, God, I didn't allocate my time right. Now I got all this other stuff. And they go through the other extreme because become scattered. They're mostly comfortable in the scattered and disorganized manner, but they can go into a hyper focus, right? But you you are more comfortable in that. Would you agree? I or, definitely agree that right. um, I'm not, I'm never bothered by chaos. However, I built some strategies to live through this stuff, right? Right. But, so let's go back when you were a child. Let's go back to that. Yeah. So if you were that way, Probably some of your uh, audience are listening. Go, my kids exactly that way. <laughs> oh my god! Or they were like that ever since the they were born. The 1970s version yeah. of ADHD. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and they're listening to it, and they're going, "Yeah, exactly." So what happens is what I see. Okay, we haven't really researched this to a point of you know being, but this is what I see. So um, if you're looking for the research, behind, I don't have it, but this is what I've seen over the years and working with people like this is that you had that capability. You had the way the trauma caused you to react and feel and everything else. We have everything in us. You are the mass murderer. You are Mother Teresa. You are the ugly guy. You are the beautiful guy. You are the hateful person. You are the loving person. Everything, all the emotions are within us. Mm-hmm. It is up to us whether or not we want to tap into it and show and what part of it do we want to show the world and ourselves. So you had this situation. My strong belief is that you're here to experience certain things in order to do whatever you're here, right? If you never had that experience, most likely you wouldn't be here talking with me with the podcast and or would have not gone through so many things in your lifetime, right? Because right. that's why, I, and I, and I ask this question for people, you know, they may want to write this question down and you, you can do it later yourself. What would you have lost if you were not abused? It's a total different thought, right? What would you have lost if you were not abused? A lot of times people come, I wouldn't be as, a, as assertive. I wouldn't have done this. I would have, I would have been still cowering. I would have, I, whatever the case may be. So that trauma, which is adversity, it's all that it is, right? It's a contraction. See, there's only two things we do. We protect, we grow, we expand, we contract, we give and take, we're vibrational beings. So an adversity is what? Is a contraction or the ability to over-engage, mm. right? So there's two, two things, how we protect ourselves. We can withdraw or we now can over-engage, right? To push that person away. That's why a lot of people scream and yell at people first to push them away on a subconscious level so they don't get hurt or other people will keep quiet and are okay with getting the abuse because it's more painful to talk, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So add that child, and in order for you to be who you are today, let's say, and then to me, this is a lot of this on a subconscious level or a more of a spiritual aspect, is that by you going through that gave you the ability to start your journey to help and impact the people you've impacted already. But if you didn't have that, what would you have lost? So it's a really good question I ask people, and it's a spark of thought process. So that's what we seek. Every person, whether or not they were raped or abused or gone through uh, traumatic uh, where they lost parents or whatever the case may be, we were able to show them how their saboteur caused them to feel in that negative mode. But at times they would then use their antidote, which they would not know, 
And then realized I used to do this and things I got out of it. And I said, can you see you use the antidote? And they're like, wow, I never knew I did that. I wish I had that back then. I wish I had it on a conscious level. And as they work with us, we realize that they start going, okay, this is what I go back to when I'm in protection. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not an idiot or a loser and all the hundreds of words we say to ourselves. You're just protecting yourself. That's it. And your saboteur is there to protect you. Interesting. Uh, I do see how that may have come into play. And the trait is an interesting, you know, reflection of no question that maybe in some extremes not, maybe in life you learn how to dampen some of these things and, you know, maybe, and the subconscious level for sure. Uh, There are clearly items that became part of behaviors and patterns at a point of trauma that may have extended or amplified it. I was prone to do a certain thing, yet, because of trauma, I, I went an, an, another step further. You know, I, that, I get, that makes sense to me in terms of a rationalization of how that works. Maybe help us understand a little bit then, what are the traits? Mm-hmm. And uh, you say there's three, correct? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. What those traits are. And, you know, talk about your life. How does it affect your life? So the other trait is called the supplier saboteur. This is the people that overly give, they overly share, they overly supply. They have a hard time saying no because they feel that they have to consistently give and they focus on everybody else's feelings so they don't have to focus on their own. It's too painful. And they give a lot and they give generosity, but somewhere along the line, they're expecting something back. And depending on who they have in their lives may not get that. And then they start feeling a little resentful or hurt. And then they go to the other extreme and now they overly take, right? And they go, hell with you. I'm done with you. You've taken advantage of me. But depending on the person and situation, they'll feel uncomfortable and then guilty. And then they'll go back overly giving. Hmm. So a supplier saboteur is a person who has this challenge for the rest of their life of overgiving and overtaking. They feel more comfortable overgiving. Now, what we found is supplier saboteurs, some people have really been hurt in their childhood, stay on the other extreme of taking because that's more protective of them, even though they want to give, but they'll take and they'll, they'll demean people and whatever the case may be so that they stay safe. Yeah. And when we start working with that aspect of it, they realize what they're doing. And the reason why they're upset because they overgave in another aspect of their life. And then they're upset they did that. And then they take it out on another person who did nothing wrong, but because they needed to disperse that anger because they're really upset with themselves because they allowed it because they haven't valued and validated themselves. So they'll Hmm. bring people in to devalue them in order to help them to understand how to start value themselves. So what I tell people is that everything outside of you is you. The person you can't stand is a part of you you can't stand. They're just showing up to show the part of you that you haven't dealt with. Hmm. That's why you're pissed off. How dare you show me a part of me that I've been running away from, right? (laughs) But when you start dealing with the saboteur, two things happens to that person. They leave because they can't deal with your new vibration, new thought process, or they'll change because they want to stay in your world. Mm. And I see that consistently over and over again. So that's the supplier saboteur. The other and last one is the communicator saboteur. That's the one that they don't express themselves. They don't communicate well. They're a hold back verbally. They don't feel very comfortable talking and offsetting some of the things that people say. They'll stay and be disconnected. They'll overly think. They'll overly feel and get caught up in this thing that they have a hard time detaching from that. They can make up stories and stuff of what may be happening, but because they never ask questions because they don't express, they assume certain things are happening. And then they can go to the extreme and then 
then they can do two things. The volcano kicks in because they hold held it in for such a long time and they blast people or they still not expressing. So they tell the person they're an idiot under their breath and then disconnect. They have a hard time confronting because they don't want to feel stupid or embarrassed. So those are the three traits that we see that are based on everybody that we ever worked with on that end of it. I think a lot of people sometimes feel overwhelmed by simplicity. I was in the investment industry for 20 years. You know, the truth is, is that investing for and successful investing is really fundamentally simple. And yet people want to perceive that there's more going on, more action, more necessary moves and shifts and strategies than really just making a good allocated portfolio of bonds. Yeah. That's why it took me 30 years to say it can't be this simple. It can't be this simple. There's no way I'm putting my name on this. There's no way they're going to laugh at me. And when I kept on going and no one could disprove me from big names to down to children. And now I could see how we can change, shift and do things, whatever the case may be on a subconscious level. And the reason why I found it to be on a subconscious level, I had a client, a patient, since I was doing autoimmune, I had a, a Parkinson patient. And back then we we didn't do a digital workbook. We They actually wrote in their answers. And as he started to fill out uh, the page, his hand started to shake and his jaw started to shake. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then we got done. I said, what happened? He goes, wow. He goes, as soon as my saboteur came up, immediately I felt this kick in. So he, we realized at that time, and that's where I was like, wow, that makes sense. Uh, it just subconsciously did something to him that caused him to shake and whatever to create an, a, a stressful situation. Um, I had another patient who, after I got done, he was a director saboteur, and his wife came in and he said, oh my God, I do this, 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 and this. She goes, your therapist has been telling you for that for 10 years. Yeah, but he said in such a way, it just made sense. And the reason why it made sense, because I used the words of the director that made sense for him. So mm-hmm. that's why we realize it comes down to a subconscious level. And part of this process is bringing it to awareness. Now, when I, again, when you think of simplicity, I look, used EMDR to work on the trauma response and the anxiety and all the stress, and it was immediate and the effect was profound. Yeah. And it seemed, wow, this is too simple. And yeah. I think a lot of men, a lot of people in general, when they're pursuing, how do I fix my problem? You know, if that it was as simple as that, Everybody believes that there's so much complexity and a rigor that has to be, you know, you have to be drawn across the coals and your confessional of life. And in order to get through all your challenges, it's just this massive process when in fact, it's something much more simple. Yeah. It can come down to how their work ethic comes into play. Look, I was just talking to a client of mine. She was like, oh, I could do that. And I said, you feel that you have to work hard in order to achieve the success that if you didn't work hard, then the success wasn't yours. Who talked you into that one? And it was her father, right? And it wasn't that he was a bad guy. It's what he was taught. You know, it came, they came from immigrants, you know, you know, and back then immigrants had to work really, really hard. That's what they were taught. And then you come along and you say, no, I can just do this and I can make triple what my father made. The brain goes, I got to be doing something wrong. Or they might hear, you know, oh, if you make too much money, you're a crook, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, or whatever the illusion that's in their head that stops them from that pain. And that's what the saboteur does. The saboteur is there not to undermine you, but it's there to protect you from the very success that you seek because that success, if you actually achieved it, is more painful. So therefore, on a subconscious level, so that you don't ever go to that point. So when you start to release your personal professional power, you start to feel uncomfortable, that saboteur kicks in 
to protect you. Mm. And then once you understand why the saboteur is doing that, instead of a full contraction, you contract a little bit, then you use the antidote, which is the exact opposite to the saboteur, and then you get past that comfort zone because the antidote is the exact opposite to the saboteur. That's why when you use it, it's impossible to sabotage yourself, and we prove that consistently. When you started with the analogy of having a teeter-totter, I mean, naturally, we want some balance. We want it to be quite level, and then so other external events start to put us into imbalance. And what you also say is that there's two components of this, and Mm -hmm. we just we just spent the majority of our time talking about the behavioral component, but you also suggest that there's a chemical component as well that pulls us in that it, or either reinforces or is part of the root of our saboteur, you know, help us understand a little bit about that. So let's take director saboteurs, for instance. Okay. If I said, Hey, Mike, that's why I do these podcasts, by the way, so I can get analyzed and and good (laughs) advice. (laughs) Hey, that sounds good to me. So as a director saboteur, if I said, hey, Mike, I want you to uh, read this chapter. You're like, I don't want to read this freaking chapter. Well, that's behavioral. Chemicals, like Phil, man, it took me like five minutes. I couldn't get past the first paragraph. That's chemical. I don't care who you talk to, what technique you do, whatever. It's chemical. It's not clicking, right? And that's usually due to a dopamine or a serotonin problem, but usually dopamine, which is a focus thing. And we were just talking uh, this morning was that there are many times when I had patients where they would not be able to think properly because it's what they ate or drank previously. So I had a, a client who had an autoimmune disease. I explained to him, look, functional medicine, because I was doing it, it will help you and all that. And he was very traditional. He was like, no, no, no. I said, okay, great. So we were working and he was improving his uh, his uh, business somewhat and things like that. And then he gives me a call and he says, I can't meet today. I said, what's mm-hmm. up? He goes, I was doing great in the morning. I don't know. I feel horrible now. And I said, what did you eat for lunch? Hmm. He goes, well, I went out to lunch with my son. We had a beer and a pizza. And I said, you don't see a correlation. He goes, No. <laughs> I said, okay, take three days off. And then I want you to go back and have that pizza again and let me know what happens. Three days later, he calls and he goes, what's the name of the doctor? Because yeah. he realized that was what's causing him. And then once he started to do the functional medicine and started cleaning up his diet, guess what happened to his income? It increased because now he was able to follow through, do the things he had, the energy he needed, never realizing what he was doing was causing that. So we have to realize the chemical within our body has to be in a balanced way. If not, it can cause so many problems. Increase your coffee intake a lot. Tell me if you can just sit and listen to somebody talk, right? right? right. You know, you may get a lot done, but you'll be exhausted by the end of the day and the next morning, right? So- we have to look at all these things. Well, a lot of people like to work with me because not only am I a consultant, I'm a doctor, and I look at this in a more holistic way in such a way that I can pinpoint certain things that they're doing along with the saboteur that can aggravate it. And then we deal with different techniques in order for them to understand how to go forward with so that the saboteur doesn't take the majority of their life. We want them to subconsciously use the antidote more than they've been subconsciously using the saboteur. That's a great way to look at it. I know that, you know, there that was that was why I went back to the seesaw metaphor because it is balance and our bodies do find chemical balances and then we to- we toy with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, well, here's and here's emotions the other thing. can toy with it as well, you know. Right. And here's the other thing with the seesaw. Have you ever uh, couldn't close uh, at all? Uh, you know, you couldn't, you try to close somebody, you couldn't, or you have a hard time, or you know people will low. Yeah, I just wrote it off rates. to them. I thought it was just them. <laughs> right. 
we know people that can overly talk and talk themselves out of a sale, right? Mm-hmm. You know those people, right? Yep. Nothing wrong with them. It's just how it happens. So their superpower is that they talk too much, right? They they can do that. Now, I've talked to a lot of salespeople because we have a, an explosive sales blueprint that we increase uh, their sales by 86.2%. And what we do is we show them, I guess, uh, sales managers, what would you do with somebody like this? And the majority of them say, give them communication training. And I go, no, that's the last thing I would do. The reason why they're great communicators. We need to focus on their saboteur. So if they're a director saboteur, they're scattered, they're all over the place. So therefore they have to use their communication to offset that. If they're a supplier saboteur, they're not feeling validated. So they overly give, overly share too much, Mm -hmm. give away too much for free to validate themselves. So as soon as we use the antidote, guess what happens? The kid on the bottom starts to come up and the kid up top starts to come down. So their superpower becomes much more effective. We've had people make $84,000 in one woman within two weeks because she realized what she was doing. We had another woman, a, a, a doc went from thirty less than 30% closing rate to 100% closing rates within wow. a couple of weeks. Uh, didn't believe him. I said, I got to see the, I got to see the numbers. Uh, <laughs> but that's what happens is when you understand your antidote, the other things happen because we're always focusing on the wrong trait. Mm-hmm. We're focusing on the dominant media traits instead of the saboteur. When we think back to you and your, the, the years of Trump, what, what, there, was, there was, you know, that period of time mm-hmm. from right. your job turmoil and your licensing and, and the insurance stuff and to your daughter's um, attempted suicide. <clears throat> and everything in between. If you were more aware of what you know today, and first of all, what's your saboteur? How would you have navigated some of those moments uh, differently? How would you have harnessed your superpower? Now, I'm a director saboteur. If you told me 10 years ago I'd be this structured and finished tasks and everything else, I'd think you're out of your freaking mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would have happened is I would have understood and, bec- and found out the knowledge I needed in order to become more aware. A lot of times that trauma, director saboteurs just ignore things. They just barrel through, they force things through because that's what, uh, depending on their superpower, right? By understanding that when my mom passed, it was a very, very chaotic time. When my mom passed for about a month, I was numb Mm -hmm. because the chaos was gone. And if I knew back then what that meant, because I was so uncomfortable without the chaos, Mm -hmm. four months later, I signed my divorce decree. Mm -hmm. And then 2008 hit and I lost everything. Caused such a trauma because if I just knew what I was going to do, that I had to realize that I don't need that chaos anymore. But I brought now three times, four times more, than, uh, maybe more chaos for a much longer time because that's what I was used to. Right. Can you see that? And that's why people go find abusive people because that's what they're used to in their past. They are used to that end of it. So depending on who they are and what they've gone through, they'll bring their past in their present in order to deal with the past. There's When we talk with people, very rarely we ever go in the past. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. We're not going to dive into that. I'll let them, let, I send them to their psychologist to deal with that, making sure they use their antidote. I had, a, I had a client, had a very bad abusive boss. And I said, can you see how the abusive boss is your dad? because you had to bring that abusive person in because you never dealt with your dad, but Mm. the person, that abusive boss is you because you abuse you. It's time to stop abusing you, then that person will go away. As we started doing that, 
she then made a lateral move because another manager saw her value because she was a supplier saboteur and and took her away from that. And so it created such a more value. She made more money and it was a great experience for her. But she knew and she told me if I never really knew that, I would have continued with that abusive boss because I just kept on devaluing myself. Oh Can my you God. see how that relates? When I realized this analogy, I went, Ah, uh, now I know why it's simple. So you ever see the master dom, domino masters where they push the one domino and it goes, right? The last one hits and let's say balloons are released. Well, what's the last thing you see? The balloons. That's your imposter syndrome. That's your stress. That's your fear. That's your anxiety, your depression. Everything you see feel what? Last. So what do we do? We take our coping methods and put what? We put them on the balloons, not the one domino. Mm. What's easier? Hold down the damn balloons, stop pushing the one damn domino. Right. And that's your saboteur. And I went, oh, now I get it. So what I've been doing is focusing on this one domino, telling them not to push that domino, which would lead to frustration. And when they push the antidote the exact opposite way, it would lead, now lead to inspiration and motivation so they can move forward and grow. But in knowing that they had to have their saboteur, you can't ever get rid of it. It's there for the rest of your life because it's there to evolve you. It's there to evolve you because as soon as you release that personal professional power and you still feel uncomfortable, you're ready to evolve. But because you don't know what to do, you go into protection. I think it's great from a superpower saboteur to offset it so visually and so verbally. But it just sounds like something if we're living with it, then what is a nice part of it? <laughs> how, do, how do we ascribe a, a gentle, more kinder version of our saboteur so we know that it's just like a, a hair on our arm that we didn't want? <laughs> because it brings adversity. It brings adversity. See, here's the thing. I tell people, if you think that everything in life should go well, you don't know why you're here. Right. You're not here for everything to go well because you would be bored. We would be talking about how bored you are, Mike. Uh, how'd you do today, Mike? Hey, I brought another billion in. Oh, yeah. What'd you do for it? Nothing. How about the other stuff? Nothing. You'd be going out of your mind because you were not what? Challenged. Right. You have, right, the, the, the halfback that takes the football and goes across the goal line without anybody there. How much exhilarating that compared to meeting the the other 11 guys on the field? If you and I go, hey, Mike, man, I, I got tickets. They're between the five and the, and the zero, man. We're seven rows up. It's our favorite team. We're all stoked, right? We're getting there and we see our team. We're going excited. And the first pass, 80 yards, bam, touchdown. We're freaking out. Yeah. And another one, he hands off to the, uh, the halfback. He runs full. Hey, we're all screaming. Then realize there is no other team. <laughs> there is no defense. How long are you going to be at that game? If you love movies, how long are you going to watch a movie without the villain? That's why we're here. We're here for the contrast because it involves us. And the saboteur is there to protect us so that we can move forward by using the antidote so we can evolve as a human person, as a human, as well as a human race. That's great. I'm going to cap that at that because that's a great <laughs> message. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Phil, that was a great message. I, I really appreciate it. You do all kinds of things. You're, you're, you're commonly you know, working in trainings and courses and help me understand how other people can find you. Where's the best place to get a little bit of Dr. Phil Agrios? Sure. What they can do is I have a nine question quiz, only nine questions. And in about a minute, you can get your inborn sabotage trait and your antidote for free. So they would just go to sab quiz. Sab is short for sabotage. So sabquiz.com, 
Hmm. They'll go there, answer the like questions, and they'll come with a results page. On the results page, uh, depending on when they're going to do this, they can book a call, a 30-minute call with me, bring one uh, business or personal challenge, and I'll show them how the saboteur actually created it and how to use the antidote to switch it off. But we may be shifting that to now more live webinars, but they can still do one-on-ones depending on when they uh, do that. And then go there and then we can have a conversation. And I do have a five-week live group coaching course called uh, Transcendence 101 from Self-Sabotage to Self-Made Success. In five weeks or less, we guarantee you to stop self-sabotaging or your money back. And then from there, we have a thing called Transcendence 201. It's about business. That's about three months. And we dive deeply into the business where your own business has its own inborn sabotage and traded antidote. We show you how you subconsciously sabotage the business, how to increase your sales and so many other things. There's two base spheres. We go much, much deeper. About 70% of what I teach is the things that I discovered. This is just the tip of the iceberg of what I discovered over the 30 years. Amazing. So thank you, Phil. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, it's been a great conversation. I loved hearing more about our saboteurs, you know, understanding that there's a balance to it and that it's not just a destined to be sabotaged. It's there's a balance of superpowers and antidotes and things that help us achieve and, and succeed. So um, again, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you sharing with our audience. We'll have you around again. Oh, uh, we thank do you. group sessions. So we bring oh. our, our, our individuals back and put a panel together. So maybe oh, that'd be, be part awesome. of that. I would be honored to do that. And I hope that your audience has gotten something out of this and uh, that they go and take the quiz, determine what's going on, and just follow the instructions. Take the quiz as a child or a teenager, not now, especially if you're a coach or a psychologist, because you most likely will get the wrong answer. And then you'll email me, this doesn't sound like me. And then I say, did you do that? And they say no. And then they do it. And then they get the right answer. <laughs> so uh, just follow, especially director saboteurs, follow the instructions. <laughs> awesome. Keep it simple. Simplicity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yes. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate you. Thank you. You too. We're sharing the Unlimited Worth Project podcast, book, and my speaking engagements worldwide so we can normalize the narrative and encourage conversations between men who have healed and men who need to, while reducing the drama and sensationalism in the media, and seek the treatment and support they need to heal. They are worthy of love and success. When they know this, they can realize their unlimited worth. All guests appearing on the podcast have done so voluntarily. We do not require a fee from our guests. They have had the chance to express any concerns they might have and consented to their voice, image, name, and likeness in video or audio format to be used by Mike and the Unlimited Worth Project. This podcast has been edited for content and clarity prior to publication. The podcast content and likenesses are owned by Mike Skripnik Fit Family Enterprises, Inc. and the Unlimited Worth Project and our producer, Anubis Media. Redistribution without prior written consent is prohibited. The information, suggestions, and ideas of the podcaster or any other non-accredited, unqualified guests are exactly that, opinions, and do not constitute professional advice, counsel, or prescriptive recommendations for our listening audience. If you need help, seek professional help and do it today.